Hey everyone, it's Zach from the AZ Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, I just wanted to get on here real quick and apologize for the audio in this episode. You'll hear soon, it sounds pretty shitty and that's my fault, 100%. Al sounds crisp, I sound like I'm talking into a hallway. So I recently got a new audio interface and I'm still working through how to use it. I think I finally figured it out, so future episodes will sound a lot more crisp. So hopefully you can bear with us through this episode because it was a good one. We had a lot of really great discussions around 2020 performances and 2021 values. So excited for the upcoming draft and we'll be back with another episode next week. So take care. Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hauselberg, joined by Alex Sutton bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Zach Householder, joined as always by Alex Sutton. What's up, man? Killing it, player. That's good news, man. How's your week been? It was long. It was long. Glad it's over. Yeah, I feel that way, too. Um, I had a lot happen this week, so catching the listeners up. uh, My wedding is rescheduled, getting married in like 21 days, May 15th. I don't know if the math is right on that. Um, So wedding is moved. And then my mom was also diagnosed with melanoma uh, this past week as well. So thoughts and prayers for her would be much appreciated. Um, it was kind of a, out of nowhere, but been tough to kind of process through that. So um, tough news for me. Nonetheless, I think everything is going to end up okay. Um, I mean, just keep her and your thoughts and prayers. I'd appreciate that. But uh, yeah, man. So Tonight, we're going to go ahead and do a show. I know I just dropped some pretty hard life news, but we're going to do a show because I think getting my mind off that stuff would probably be uh, the best thing. I'm itching to talk football anyways. Um, Al, you and I were pretty busy in the, the trade world this past week. So we ha- we both did a couple trades, and one of them was between you and I in one of our dynasty leagues and the other one is a league that we both play in, but we traded with just some different people. So let's go ahead and break down our Goonies trades. And then we'll talk about the one you and I made and you can start out on this one. All right. So yeah, the, I went on a real kick. I don't really know why I'm trying to acquire Cooper cup. I think, I think, I hope it'll pay off. Um, the Goonies one though, I, I got, let me find it. I'm not going to lie, man. I don't know how to read this. So, I'll read. You gave Juju, Joe Burrow, the 204, the 505. Okay. I see it now. (laughs) I tried to make it easy. Yeah. So, I gave away Juju, Joe Burrow, the 204, and the 505. I didn't really need Juju. I'm okay at wide receiver, but I think Cooper Cup will have a better performance and help my team more than Juju could, especially now that Cooper Cup has a quarterback that's competent. And obviously Juju has been Roethlisberger that's fallen off the wagon a little bit. So you don't know what the future holds there either. I don't need Joe Burrow. I have Josh Allen. I had two second-round picks. I traded one away. The fifth round pick, I don't. You don't know what you're going to get in the fifth round, so I don't really care about that one. So I threw it in as well, and then I got Cooper Cooper Cup, who I was targeting. I got Cream Hunt, which is helpful. Uh, I definitely needed a running back, but I wasn't exactly eyeing him. And then I got a third, the three oh seven as well. Very nice. So prefacing this league, uh, the Goonies is a one quarterback tiered PPR um, dynasty league, so. Yeah, I like this trade. Um, Neil, who was on the other side of this, did need a quarterback. He's got Deshaun Watson with the questions surrounding Deshaun Watson right now. Um, 
it made sense for him to go after Burrow in this trade. It made sense for you to give Burrow. So I think you got a decent return with uh, Kareem Hunt, especially. That's probably my favorite part of this trade was Kareem Hunt because uh, top 10 running back last year. So, yeah, nice work on that. Um, my trade was a little – I probably could have gotten more, but we talked in our last episode about Alvin Kamara and what we're doing with Alvin Kamara. And I wrote an article uh, a few months ago now or – weeks, I don't know, um, about what to do in Al- with Alvin Kamara and Dynasty. And I basically laid out cases for keeping him and cases for moving him. So my case for moving him was just the uncertainty in the Saints offense. Um, he's 25 going on 26 years old, which is no, by no means old for a running back. But with him being t- closer to that, that age of 28 to 30, He'll be 26, I think, when the season starts or shortly after the season starts. Um, my, I was open to moving him for the right cost. And I had the 110 in this league. Um, I won the championship last year, thanks in large part to Alvin Kamara. But one of the guys I singled out in my article is someone I would trade, someone I'd like to receive if I'm going to trade with Alvin Kamara is Cam Akers. So I traded the way Alvin Kamara and the 110. And I received Cam Akers and the 107. So I moved up three spots in this draft, which I'm really excited about because that sets me up well to get um, either another running back, which I don't necessarily need on this team, or one of those, um, like the the big four wide receivers. Because just knowing your league is important. So if you look at the guys in front, I know there's a few teams that need a running back. A couple teams need a quarterback. I don't know if they'll take one in the first round, but I can – pretty much gambled that a Rashad Bateman or Jalen Waddle or Rondell Moore might still be there for me at 107. So I'm really happy with the uh, the increase in draft pick. And Cam Akers, he's 21, going on 22 years old. And I'll actually talk about him later in the show, so I'll leave it there. Um, yeah, I, I put up a poll with this exact trade on Twitter, and it was literally 51% in favor of Kamara, 49% in favor of Akers. So almost right down the middle, and I'm just gonna take the youth along with the talent and hope for the best. So now let's break down our trade we made amongst ourselves. Um, this is a, it's also a 10 team. This is super flex league though. So uh, no quarterbacks involved, but just for context. Um, how about you lay it out? Dash wanna start off with, I hate trading with you. I hate it because I never feel like I win. I never feel like I win. I feel like there's like you always know something that I don't know. That's why. Like you're getting something over on me. I would never feel like I win. It's like I made that trade. And so like our trade was I got Cooper Cup, the 205 and the 405. I gave you DJ Moore and the 208. Yes. All right, so basically, we just swap wide receivers. The one I got is a little older. Has a they both have new quarterbacks. Mine's a little bit more seasoned. Yours is trash. All right, DJ that- Moore. DJ Moore is young and very good. All right, and then I moved up in the second. You moved back in the second. But you also know. Do you have a, another second round pick in that dra- in that league? I don't think so. Okay, so I moved up, you moved back, and then I got a fourth-round pick. But I just feel – and then I got on Twitter, dude, you're over here sending out gifts of DJ Moore, and I was like, I just feel like I missed something. You're damn right. So let me explain my psychology here. I know you're not a Sam Darnold guy. I'm not at all. No, he's terrible. I think he's going to be terrible in Carolina too. Okay, and we'll have that That's kind of the reason why I was okay getting rid of DJ Moore. I was like, he's just going to waste his time with this shitty-ass quarterback. That, that, that's the angle I took. I think, and this is a perception thing, I think Sam Darnold is a talented quarterback. And we'll talk about him later. But And I also think DJ Moore is an incredibly talented wide receiver. He just turned 24 years old. Um, Cooper Cup's going on 28 this season, I believe. And, I, again, that's not old for a wide receiver. He's got time left. And you're right, he's got a great quarterback. So I went with the I'll give a couple picks and a player I know you are high on, and I will get a player – that isn't in a situation that you love. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to get one over on you by any means. I just wanted DJ. Yeah, absolutely were. No, 
I mean, I was I knew that you weren't fond of Sam Darnold. So yeah, I'm going to use that to my advantage and get a player I want. <laughs> but yeah, man, and like it could look foolish. You're right. Sam Darnold could be a bust, and DJ Moore could struggle with him. But the good thing about Darnold is they're not locked into his contract. They picked up a fifth year option, but he's still on his rookie deal. So if he doesn't work out, they just go and get another quarterback in a year or two. DJ Moore still going to be in the prime of his career. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big DJ Moore guy. I'm trying to get him wherever I can. Um, people were down on him after 2020 because he had like a bad season. Dude set a, a new career high in yards. He averaged like 18 yards a catch. Like he he's so good. He's now gone over a thousand back to back seasons. His touchdowns are low. He's only had four touchdowns in each of the last two seasons. So I don't know. It's it's gonna rest on the shoulder of Sam Darnold, but I think. Darnold's in a, a good spot to actually succeed. And I think this kind of sets us up well for the main segment of our show. So um, this is kind of inspired by a column I coined last year in my weekly articles uh, called Popped Off and Dropped Off. Basically, I'd look at the previous week and basically pick players who did really well or did really poorly, popped off or dropped off. Um, we're going to bring that into the podcast right now. We're going to do a pop-off, drop-off segment where we take a look at uh, quarterbacks and running backs this episode. Um, wide receivers and tight ends will come in another episode. But we're going to look at their 2020 performance and then determine if they will pop off or drop off in 2021. So we're going to break this down by picking one player from each of the following categories. So like a, a 2020 finish of one through eight. 2023 finish of nine through 15 to 18 ish that mid wide receiver or um, mid positional two, not wide receiver, my bad. And then a guy who finished outside the top 20 altogether. So pick one guy from each category and then break down how they did last year and whether or not we think it's repeatable this year based on their current rankings. And then just what we think their team situation looks like. So um, yeah, like I said, we're going to do quarterbacks and running backs on this episode and then we'll do tight ends and wide receivers next week. And also next week's draft week, which I'm fucking stoked for. So, um, hey, can I watch a draft at your house? I don't have cable anymore, man. Shit. All right. Yeah, I'm going to be in the same boat. Is it on ESPN, though? I don't know. If it's on ESPN, I can just stream it off the app. We'll, we'll, we'll take that offline. So, all right. So, we'll start with the quarterbacks. And we'll start with that that guy who finished in 1-8 to eight last year. Al, who's your guy, and um, how'd they do last year? What do you think we can expect from them in 2021? My one-to-eight range guy is Ryan Tannehill. Last year finished as the uh, QB7 overall. Um, he had 315 completions on 481 attempts, 3,819 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Honestly, the stats you want from any starting quarterback. I mean, I would have taken those stats for, you know, my team. I think Phillip Rivers did okay, but I don't really know what his stats are off the top of my head. But the Ryan Tannehill, I mean, every, I think everybody still looks at him. I know I do. I feel like a lot of people still do. Like, we think Ryan Tannehill, you think Miami, they were dog trash. You don't think Tannehill is going to be as good. Um He's projected to fall down three spots. So 2021, he's projected to be the uh, QB 10. These are fantasy pros projections. So shout out fantasy pros. And yeah. we're also talking in a half point PPR context just for later on. Yeah. And so he's projected to only fall down three spots. I think that's generous. I do. I think he's going to fall down. I think you could see him more around the, f- I'll, like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Uh, maybe even a little lower. You know, they lost Corey Davis. They lost Janu Smith. Uh, they still have A.J. Brown, who is an exceptional receiver, big body, fast, good hands. Um, but you lost some key some key aspects on the offense. And, of course, you know, they're probably going to be replaced. But you just never know. So you're, pr- you're predicting a drop-off. For Ryan Tannehill. Okay. I'm predicting you know, a drop off. Yeah. I don't hate the logic there. I mean, QB7, people kind of viewed him in that, that 12 to 14 range. I thought last year, I think that's right around where he finished in my projections. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it makes tons of sense. They like see what you want about Corey Davis and the careers had so far. Last year was the best year of his career. He was actually very productive. Um, Jonu Smith had his moments there where he was a top five tight end. So yeah, that's going to take a toll. And they're probably going to replace those guys with rookies. Um, in my article about Diami Brown, one of my favorite landing spots for Diami is Tennessee because I think there's a, a wide open gap for a wide receiver too. But you still have a rookie, you know, coming into the league. It's going to take time to adjust, and that is going to, I think, hinder Tannehill a bit. So, um, yeah, I don't hate the call at all. I probably still, and I haven't done projections yet. I'm going to wait till after the draft to start those. But uh, I think he'll fall in that that low end quarterback one territory for me, just because he still does have AJ Brown, and they do have a new offensive coordinator where I think running the ball 400 times a year is not going to be the recipe. So. Um, but that's to be determined, and we'll see how that shakes out later. So, yeah, man, I like that call a lot. So you think he falls around that 10 spot? Uh, I think 10 is probably the best-case scenario, especially because there's some other guys that finished below him last year that I think are going to make a, a push into that, that top 10 as well. So, I mean, you can only have 10 top 10 guys. And, I mean, you can make a case for a lot of people finishing in the top 10, but the end of the day, only 10 are going to do it, and he might fall short, you know? So yeah. uh, my top one to eight is actually Aaron Rodgers. Um, he finished his quarterback two last year. He went for 4,299 yards, seventh overall in the league, 48 touchdowns, which led the league last year, and only five picks, a 70.7% completion percentage, which is insanely efficient and obviously won an MVP last year. Um so what I'm going to say, I'll just say it now. I think Rodgers is going to pop off again next year. I'm not predicting a quarterback two overall finish. Um, Fantasy Pros has him in 2021 as the quarterback six. I think that feels good. feels right about where he should be. Um, yeah, so we'll go ahead and keep going here. Uh, this will be the third year of Matt LaFleur's offense. Um, the second year, you really saw things click. And I think this year what's going to be – a huge thing for him is I think this is the year he finally gets help via the draft. So um, earlier today at work, while I was working really, really, really hard on my, my day job, I went back and looked through um, the Packers draft history since 2005. And I just wanted to see how many wide receivers they've taken in the, the first three rounds. So day one or day two, they've taken seven total since uh, 2005. That's when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. Five in the second round, two in the third round. And like they've had some some studs. You know, Devontae was a second round pick, Jordy Nelson was a second round pick, Randall Cobb was a second round pick. But they've also had plenty of whiffs in that time. So the moral of the story is they've drafted more quarterbacks in the first round since 2005 than they have wide receivers. So <laughs> take that how you will. But I think this is a year that he finally gets that wide receiver help because I mean, last year, whatever they did obviously didn't work. You looking at at least two or three wasted picks in the eyes of some. So, um, so day one or day two wide receiver targets. I really love for the Packers that would propel Aaron Rodgers to another top five quarterback season. Um, Rashad Bateman, that'd be a first round pick. Elijah Moore. I think he, he'd probably have to go in the first round as well. Rondell Moore. Terrace Marshall is a guy I think they could get in the first or second, depending on how the NFL views him. I know he recently had some uh, medical issues pop up at his uh, medical combine in Indy. So that could push him further down draft boards, which could make him a steal in the second round. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State's a stud. Um, Deami Brown, I mentioned him before. And then Amon Ra St. Brown, who's the brother of Equinemius St. Brown. Um, hell, hell of a name from both of them. But... Yeah, those are some guys I like for the Packers that could help Aaron perform as a top five guy again. Um, I mean, I think we'll see Mahomes kind of return into that conversation. Josh Allen should remain in that conversation. Kyler Murray should be in that conversation. So you have three right there. Is Rodgers going to be all of them again? I don't know, especially considering like he's going to regress coming off of it, like one of the best years of his career. He's probably not going to repeat that performance again, but I think he'll still be good enough to, to definitely be a top five to six guy next year. So any thoughts on Rodgers? No, man. I mean, I think that's spot on. Uh, I wouldn't – I mean, Aaron Rodgers, dude, is just a different breed of quarterback. You know, he does so much with very little. 
Um, but I also I have this theory though. I think MBS has his coming out season this, okay. this next year. So yeah, I would not hate to see that. And I think yeah, like he's gonna feel the pressure. You know, it, he's been there for three seasons now, and they're still yeah. clamoring about how the Packers don't have a second wide receiver. It's not going to sit well with a guy who's been there for three seasons. So, I mean, he has to prove it. He he needs to clean up the drops. Um, he needs to really earn that trust. Rodgers likes him, but there are times where Rodgers just shoots daggers into MVS's soul because he'll yeah. drop like a 65-yard dime. So he's got to clean those up. But, yeah, I mean, I like that call. and I would love to see it, you know, the more the merrier in terms of wide receiver weapons in Green Bay. Yeah, he but, just started uh, – he got started to get better towards the end of the year. Like he didn't have yeah. as much drops. And then especially in the playoffs, like he had some some big catches. I forget yeah. which game, but he had like two contested catches that usually he would drop. Yeah. And, and then the occasional wide open drop as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I right, we'll go ahead and move on to our second quarterback. We're gonna look in that nine to fifteen to eighteen range. So that that mid level guy. How who you got? My 9 to 15 is Justin Herbert finished 2020 as QB9. He did only play 15 games. He played every game except for week one. Um, and then got shoved in on week two, like 10 minutes before the game because old Tyrod Tyra Taylor getting stabbed in the lung. Um, and then his projection for 2021 is QB7. Um I would say that's probably accurate. He'll, he'll fall somewhere in there. Uh, I don't think – I just from what you saw from him his rookie year and then knowing the chemistry and everything, he's going to – like he built through that season and then in the off season, They did lose Hunter Henry, um, but ideally they'll probably have Austin Eckler a full season. So I think that'll help a, a tremendous amount. But I, I don't see him regressing. I don't see a sophomore slump out of him. So, I mean, he finished last year with 396 completions, a little over 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. You could possibly make a case that um, he plays week one and then is a little bit more um, game ready for week two, that he probably could have ended his QB9 or QB8. However, QB8 was Tom Brady, who had. Uh, just over, just under 300 more yards, but also had nine more touchdowns. I don't know how well that would have. Yeah, it would have been tough helped, but, for Herbert to catch that last year. Yeah, but I, I would say that I don't see him falling off, but I, I do, I do see him improving, but I don't know that it's going to be a lot. Yeah, man, that's fair. So yeah, Herbert's one of those guys that we were talking about. Tannehill. I think Herbert's one of those guys that sneaks in and pushes Tannehill down. Because I do think Herbert will finish ahead of Tannehill. Yeah. And you're then kind of you're already crowded at the top. And there's only, like I said, so many guys that can finish in that top ten. Um yeah, Herbert's looking to follow a really, really crazy good season as a rookie where he shattered everyone's expectations. Um he's so much better than anyone could have expected. So I'm excited to see him play. Terrible, yeah, I, I did, did I would I did too. So yeah, and like they brought in Jared Cook to kind of fill in that Hunter Henry. Um, and he's Jared Cook's a fantastic receiving weapon still. So, yeah, that, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in there. But yeah, I like um, Justin Herbert quite a bit next year. So I'm sure like everyone does. But um, yeah, to break into that top 10 for sure, I think that's locked in. So my mid range guy is going to be Matthew Stafford. Uh, this is a guy I was stoked about last year. And he kind of let me down, but the Lions kind of let everybody down. So I don't necessarily put this all on Stafford. Um, if you look at his 2020 season, he finishes quarterback 15, which I had him, I think, is like a top 10, maybe as high as like seven or eight. I don't know. I'll have to go look at my old rankings. Um, Kenny Galladay was hurt a good chunk of the year. Um, just never really got things going. And Stafford still managed to throw for over 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns. So just kind of continuing to produce as Matt Stafford always does. Um, and then the offseason, obviously, probably one of the biggest trades, if not the biggest trade to go down this offseason, was Matt Stafford exiting the NFC North, much to my um, pleasure, and headed out to L.A. to play with the Rams. 
which sucks because the Rams are always a stud in the NFC. So the Packers will see him eventually and they'll still have Stafford to deal with, but um, at least he's not in the division anymore. But Stafford going to the Rams, like he's looking like he might have the best supporting cast all around him of his entire career. When we think about the Megatron days in Detroit, like it was basically just Calvin Johnson. Now he's going to have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higbee, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. Like that's a, a star studded cast there that Stafford's going to have at his disposal in a Sean McVay run offense. And, you know, like there was some weird tension between McVay and Goff. Now you have McVay with a quarterback he's actually excited about. Um, I'm excited to see what the Rams look like offensively next year, especially as a guy who just traded for Cam Akers. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on Stafford? I think – so I guess I'll, I'll go. He's projected at quarterback 14. I think he's going to exceed that. I'm going to probably put him as a low-end QB1 this year, probably in that 10 to 12 range. And I don't know how many guys I can squeeze into that 12, 10 to 12 range. I'm going to try to squeeze all of them in there. But, um, I mean, he's going to have so, so many weapons to work with. And they're all experienced. They're all good. They've all been proven producers at the NFL level. So I think – if Stafford still has juice, which I think he has plenty, it's going to be a great season for him. And he's going to probably be a steal in drafts if he's being ranked as quarterback 14 right now. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got plenty left in the tank. The uh, It is nice, though, to see him on a team that should, I guess, at least should do much better than what he had in Detroit. Yeah. Even as a division rival, Stafford's a guy I just root for. Um, it feels like a guy who's never really had a good shot in the NFL and he's super talented, just a good dude. So I'm hoping he finds some success, except when it comes to playing the Packers in the playoffs, um, they can fuck off. So, <laughs> all right, let's go to our, our final guys. Got to finish outside the top 20. Um, these are kind of our long shots. These ones we're not just going to say this guy sucked last year. He'll suck this year. These are guys we think are going to make a push towards relevance, um, at least into that quarterback streamer conversation. Maybe not a weekly starter, but a guy you should keep your eye out on the waiver wire, things like that. So, um, Al, you got your boy Carson Wentz. I'm interested to see because last year you were a ferocious Carson Wentz hater. I feel like we're getting a Carson Wentz apologist here. So, Yeah, man. I, I tried my hardest not to – not to pick Carson Wentz, all right, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be who I am, and I wouldn't be able to support all the Colts fans out there in Colts Nation if I didn't. So, 2020, he ended up uh, as the QB 22. He only played 12 games. Um, He's not projected to make a big leap. I think it's five spots. He's projected to be quarterback 17. Um, on his 12th games, though, last year, he had 251 completions, just over 2,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions, which is not Yikes. ideal. That is not Yikes. a ratio. Not a ratio you want to see. But, I mean, if you look at the Colts as an organization – now and then you look at the eagles as an organization now it's too separate they're, i mean they're completely different and I, this, you could take this as a biased opinion i guess because i'm a colts fan but the colts seem like they have their you know like they know how they want to build a team and they have they have this end goal in mind and they know the route that they want to take to get there right you build your team through the draft you resign all of your players you want homegrown guys Right. And so in a way you could say that Carson Wentz is kind of a, a homegrown guy with the connection that he has with Frank Reich, you know, and um, I, it was on ESPN. I don't know what, it, I don't know if it was just like a sports center story or what, but they were talking about how like at um, Carson Wentz's pro day, like Frank Reich, Reich rode with him in the car after he, he was throwing the ball and everything and rode with him back to the facility and like they were just talking. And that's like that conversation after his pro day is basically what got him to the Eagles. Right. So in a way, Frank Wright got him to the Eagles. And so 
I mean, you could kind of say that he's a homegrown guy from the Colts because, you know, Reich was there for like his first two seasons. You know, he grew Carson Wentz into the MVP candidate that he is as the offensive coordinator. And then then you have the Eagles on the other side who from the top down, like it's just a blame game. They're just passing the blame off on everybody. And you don't know, like even Jalen Hurts, you know, they drafted Jalen Hurts last year. Now it's it's in question whether or not he'll be the starting quarterback this, this year. Like they just don't know what they want. Dude, you got, your, you yeah, got your, your star tight end cussing out the GM because the team's doing bad and he wants to be traded. So, I mean, it's just – it's very different. So I think, you know, you know Jalen Hurts getting drafted – you don't know if it did or not, but it could have messed with the mindset of Carson Wentz. There's always that, like, I have to perform to keep my job. And that can mess with you mentally to the point where it I, it probably hurt Carson Wentz. You yeah. know, he threw 15 interceptions. There's that one clip, dude, that's like you still see every now and then out there on the internet. He throws an interception, and the announcer goes, and there's the interception. <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. it just became like, it was a constant thing. It wasn't a shocker. And so, like, I think you get you get wins over to the Colts. You get him back with Frank Reich. And I know that's what every like I know that's what everybody's like going off of. Like get him back to Reich, you know, who got him into the, the MVP MVP candidate, which he could, you know, he could get back there eventually. It's not gonna be this season. The the offense is probably the same that they ran in, in Philly, but you know, whether it's whoever's quarterbacking that team, it's gonna look different. You know, it's gonna look different than what Phil Rivers did last year. It's gonna look different than what Brissett did the year before. So, I mean, he's projected to move up to 17. I think I think he could I think he could I think he can move up to 13. I think he can move up nine spots. Damn. Okay. I like it, man. So a, a couple weeks ago, I think I said Jalen Hurts feels like he's aged like 43 years this offseason. Like there's been so much talk about a guy who's like actually like 22 years old going into his second year about whether or not he's like the guy. It's like, we don't even know who he is yet. He played half the season, a little less than half the season. So I don't know. I feel bad for, like you said, the Eagles organization right now is complete dumpster fire. Uh, I think uh, our friend Christian from the cut compared the Eagles. He's like, the Eagles are quickly turning themselves into the Browns oh, in yeah. terms of how they run their organization. It's just, yeah, a complete mess from top to bottom. Uh, what do you game, think man. about, what do you think about the head coach playing rock, paper, scissors with his, uh, in his like zoom meetings with uh, rookie prospects to quote judge competitiveness. I don't know how you get, how you can compare com- how you gauge competitiveness one in a zoom meeting, but then also in rock, paper, scissors, like it's a split, split decision, you know, on your last throw. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't get how it, how it correlates, but you just look at the reaction. If they win or lose, like dumb as hell, dumb as hell. But yeah. So I like, I like your take on once here. And my only issue with the Colts is I still think they lack, the weapons to I get agree. him that far. I mean, they have a stellar running back in Jonathan Taylor who proved last year he can catch passes, but beyond JT, like I know you're a Pittman guy. I'm just not sold on him being like a one, you know, I don't know what he is yet. And we didn't get to see him play too much last year, but I just feel like he doesn't have the it factor that other ones have. Um, I don't know if there's like a chip on his shoulder and I don't want to like judge character or like toughness or anything like that. I think Pittman's like a great guy, but I just don't know if what I see, what I've seen on the field is super inspiring to the point where I'm like, yeah, he's going to be a wide receiver with like two next year in fantasy and lead that team in receiving. I just don't buy it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's going to take a, a couple more pieces there, but I do think Wentz is a step up from Rivers. And this is a, a really complete team that should be a playoff team for a long time if they can keep this this core together. So I'm hoping Paris Campbell can at least scrounge together 13 games. Yeah. I think Campbell is the key to unlocking that offense. That dude is so dynamic, and 
you see it in spurts, but then he gets hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, if he can stay I healthy. I don't need one of them to be dominant. Like, I don't need Pittman to be dominant. I don't need mm-hmm. T.Y. to be dominant. I need T.Y., T- Pittman, Campbell, Zach Pascal, all four of those guys to just, like, be effective, you know? Yeah. Not, no one has to be a star, but as a group, you need to make it work. Yeah, and that's the, the team aspect. The Colts are, like, the epitome of this is a team game not a super fantasy friendly offense in terms of wide receivers yeah. uh running backs absolutely jonathan taylor should be a locked in stud next year um we're not gonna talk about in this episode because i think we're all pretty pretty much in agreement he should be a top five guy um just depends on the usage they choose to give him he's talented enough he can handle the workload if they give him the work he will finish accordingly so um yeah, man. So I'll go ahead and move to my quarterback, and you're going to hate it because it is Sam Darnold. Um, 2020, dude played 12 games. So 2,208 yards, only nine touchdowns. Not good. Not good. Um, obviously, we know that the Jets were literally trying to lose last year and still fucked it up because they have the second pick instead of the first pick. So shout out to Adam Gase. What I like about Sam Darnold is, one, he was traded for, so the Panthers are invested in him. They gave up, I mean, nothing super special, but still kind of a lot altogether to get him. He's only 23 years old, former third overall pick, so the draft capital is there with him. I, I truly believe he's talented. If you ignore the box score at the end of the game and you, you have to really look, you got to dig, but the dude can make some really special throws. And like, I think his, his toolbox is there. It's just a matter of accessing the tools when you need them. And that's what he's never had. He's never had weapons around him. He's never had competent coaching. He's never had a good offensive line. And now, I mean, I'm not sure where the, the Panthers offensive line stands, but it can't be worse than what he's had in New York. Coaching is a huge upgrade. Matt Rule and Joe Brady are like wizards. You got Matt Rule as a guy who put Baylor football on the map in like two years. And Joe Brady was the mastermind of the LSU offense that won the national championship. So you're getting a young quarterback. I think he's like right. He's like at or near the same age as Joe Burrow, which is wild. Uh, Because isn't Darnold going into his fourth year? So, I mean, the dude came into the league so young, so young, still a lot to learn. Um, And the Panthers have exercised his fifth-year option. So they're going to give him this year and next year and see what happens. So I'm just excited that he's going to have an offense filled with weapons. He's going to have CMC, who made Kyle Allen look good. Okay. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who he already has familiarity with in uh from his time in new york and robbie anderson i mean there was some stuff saying like how was robbie reacting to the darnold trade was he pissed was he excited was he like sad um robbie admitted that he didn't buy in to the jets at all because he's like it's like they were okay with losing so i don't think his problem was with darnold as much as it was with the organization um i think this connection in Carolina is gonna gonna be a good thing for Sam and Robbie alike. Um, we saw Robbie Anderson last year pop off multiple times throughout the season, and I think he finished as a wide receiver too last year. So, I mean, I think that's the Robbie Anderson we've been waiting to see in New York for so long, and just add it to the list of players who gets away from Adam Gase and succeeds. So, Sam Darnold last year quarterback thirty three, which I mean, it, it quarterbacks. This is a hard position to talk about because you only start one of them usually in a normal redraft league. So 33 is like unusable, like wide receiver threes and running back threes. Those top 30 guys like those are you can still flex those guys when you're starting one quarterback. It's top 12 or bust and 33 is absolutely horrid. Uh, his 2021 projection, according to Fancy Pros, is quarterback 28, so really not that much better. And I think if you look at all the, the ways Sam Darnold's situation has improved, I think 28 is far too low. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 15 quarterback, but I do think there's going to be multiple weeks throughout the 2021 season where you can stream him. And if he clicks in that offense and picks things up, it's not like he doesn't have the weapons to produce on a weekly basis. So I think there could be, we could see Sam Darnold as a weekly starter at some point this year that could get you uh, 
back in quarterback one, high end quarterback two numbers on a week to week basis. I mean, I, I think with CMC alone, the dude's going to get 130 targets. And what he can do with those is just going to help Sam Darnold as well on the stat sheet. So anything nice to say about Sam Darnold, you hate everything I just said. No, I disagree. Really, my only question that came out of everything you said is, um, did Robbie Anderson always play for the Jets or was he somewhere else? He started with the Jets and then, yeah, last year's for sure in Carolina. So the Serper moment was incredible. (laughs) Do you remember that shit? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and hop over into running backs. Those are our three guys. I guess we'll run through um, our quarterbacks one more time, and we'll just quickly pop off or drop off. Aaron Rodgers is going to pop off again. Matt Stafford is going to pop off. Sam Darnold's going to pop off with tempered expectations. Ryan Tannehill is going to drop off. Justin Herbert's going to pop off. Carson Wynn's going to pop off. Awesome. All right, we'll hop over into running backs now. Same breakdown. Um, Al, pick your guy that finished in that one to eight range and tell us whether he's going to do it again or not. David Montgomery, man, 2020 RB4, only played 15 games. Okay. So he didn't, he missed a game. Projected for 2021 to be RB21. All right. I don't like the Bears. I'm currently wearing a Bears t shirt. I'd like to make it known it was free, though. So okay. I had questions. The, yeah. The, uh, and I'm not a David Montgomery guy. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's 50 50. You either love him or you hate him. You know, I don't feel like there's really an in between. Last year, he had 247 rushes, um, 1,070 yards, eight touchdowns, one fumble. Um, was, I mean, fairly active in the passing game 54 receptions, 68 targets, 438 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, he didn't kill the touchdown game, but he did okay. Um, I just feel like a 17-place drop from 4 to 21 is crazy. I think he's going to drop off, but I think he's going to drop off to, like, more in the, like, 11, 12, somewhere in there, maybe 10 to 12. I don't. I don't see that big of a drop off, especially the bears have such an unknown around them that David Montgomery is really kind of an Allen Robinson, but David Montgomery's like kind of one of the more solid, I don't know, more solid aspects or keys of that team. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Their offensive line's dog shit. Um, and now they have Andy Dalton at quarterback. So I think there's other factors. I think the biggest factor is I think I think low teens is gonna be the best outcome for for David Montgomery personally. Um I I would rather have everyone in front of him currently, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, this is Courtney Fantasy Pros. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, James Robinson, Dobbins. I, I take all those guys over Montgomery in a heartbeat. Um, I think the biggest factor that's going to hurt him is the return of Tariq Cohen because Cohen was out with the ACL last year. And I mean, Montgomery with 54 catches is very, very good. So that's mm-hmm. like nothing to bat an eye out for running back, especially in PPR leagues. Like that's, that's awesome. So when Cohen comes back and absorbs most of that pass catching work, because that's what he does, that's where I think. Montgomery's going to lose most of his value. And yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of appropriately placed here in the twenties. Cause I think some of his volume might go down too, just with Cohen being back. So I don't know. I mean, I see what you're saying because he is kind of a focal point there. And with Dalton, there might be less reliance on the passing game because like Dalton's Dalton. I don't, I don't know what they're expecting of him. I just can't believe they haven't signed him still, but yeah, I do see a, a pretty big drop-off coming. Not as big as you see, but um, nonetheless, I think if he finishes inside the top 20 next year, I'll be kind of surprised. So, yep, my 1-8 uh, to eight is James Robinson. So, we, I think we touched on him earlier. If not, we're doing it now. 
So this is the undrafted free agent, finishes the RB7 last year, just an absolute stud on an absolutely terrible team in Jacksonville. He had 240 carries, 1,070 yards. He was the fastest undrafted rookie free agent running back in NFL history to reach 1,000 yards. I don't remember how many games it took him, but it was the quickest amount of time in NFL history. Um, he had 60 targets, which is actually 11th amongst running backs, and then 49 receptions on the year, so he's a dual threat. And 344 yards on those receptions, and also added three touchdowns. So he totaled 10 touchdowns in 2020. His 2021 projection is RB17, and this one I, I, I don't understand. So we have a guy last year, proved he's a dual threat, was the only show in town, and the only thing that the Jags have done to challenge James Robinson for 2021 is bring in Carlos Hyde, who he's got a little bit of juice. I think at this point he's running on fumes. And I, I just don't see a 10-spot drop for James Robinson coming because he proved last year he could do everything. And he's very, very good against some really good defenses on a bad team. It, is, it can only get better. They have the first pick in the draft. I think the upgraded quarterback is going to be huge because um, presumably taking Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence threw a decent amount of balls in college to his running backs. Travis Etienne, I think, had 70 receptions in college. Um, that's a lot for a college running back. So Robinson, I think his targets will still be there. Carlos Hyde is really nothing special. And... I think another factor is Urban Meyer now being the head coach. Ohio State running backs tend to be very effective both in college under that similar offense and then in the NFL. You see some really, really great things come from Ohio State running backs, um, specifically Zeke and J.K. Dobbins, two of the, the more talented running backs in the game right now. So I think Urban Meyer is going to love having a guy like James Robinson who can do everything. He's a three-down back. And, I, I mean, I do think they're going to be – they might, they might even draft somebody to take some pressure off Robinson so he's not getting like 300 carries, but he didn't do that last year and he still finishes the RB7. So if he can put up similar numbers, I, I think there could be a volume increase. I think he could get up to like 260, 270 carries. And if he can continue to find the end zone in the way he did and still catch passes, um, top 10, I feel like is, is pretty reasonable for a guy like Robinson and with his ranking being 17, I think he's probably going to be a good value in drafts. If everyone thinks he's going to drop off, he could pop off again. And similar to the quarterbacks, one thing I want to know with the running backs is like, there's only room at the top for so many. We're going to have guys like CMC, Saquon coming back this year that they're going to creep their way right back into that, that top five, top 10 conversation. So, I mean, Robinson could get pushed out of that, that top eight by those two guys. And I mean, that's no fault of his own. That's just how good the other, the other guys are. So um, what do you, do you think Robinson could, could do it again? Cause I know we talked about him offline before the show. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'm sold on him as much as other people are, but I feel like he, what, like kind of what you said, he is the show in Jacksonville. The, I think Trevor Lawrence will help the fact that he's going to be running a more college offense, could possibly help as well. Um, if I had him in a dynasty league, I'm probably not upset about it. Especially considering you probably got him off waivers. Yeah. So like I did last year in a couple of leagues. So yeah, man, I, I think it'll depend on if the Jags draft somebody and what round they draft him in. If it is round, I don't think they're going to, I mean, obviously, well, they do have a lot of draft picks. I don't think it's going to be in the first or second round. If it's a third round guy, I'm a little nervous. If it's anything day three or later, I mean, there is only three days, whatever. Uh, I'm not worried about a fourth round or beyond running back. I think that's just a depth piece. So, yeah. all right, let's move on to our, our mid, mid-level mid running backs. Who do you got here? Antonio Gibson. 2020 Ooh. was RB12, played 14 games. Uh, projected to be RB12 again in 2021. Uh, he had 170 carries, 795 yards, 11 touchdowns, and two fumbles. In the passing game, he had 36 receptions, 44 targets, 247 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, 
I think this is probably accurate. I don't see him. I think the fact that he's going to have, I hate to do this, man. I really do because I love Alex Smith. I think the fact that he's going to have a, a more consistent person at quarterback and he'll be a second year in that offense. Um. I, th- I think he's going to go up a couple spots. I would, I would assume probably nine, ish. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, man. I love Antonio Gibson. He's the twenty twenty my guy for me. And I mean, there was that stigma around him that he only had seventy seven career touches at Memphis. It's like, bro, just watch, watch the touches. All seventy seven of them were pretty freaking special. So, um. Yeah, I like it. I, it's interesting he finished 12 and it's being ranked at 12 again. And I mean, even with the perceived uptick in volume, and I do think a lot of that is because, like I just talked about, the the welcome back of some of the bigger names into this conversation. So, yeah, he's currently behind Zeke at 9, Eckler at 10, Cam Akers 11, Gibson 12. So he's ahead of Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders. So I think I'd take Gibson over those two guys. I'm I'm still kind of confused how Mixon continues to be ranked inside the top 15. Um, let's talk about that later. So, yeah, man, I like, I like Gibson quite a bit. The problem is going to be is I think he's going to be valued pretty pretty high in drafts. So it's going to be tough to get him at a good value. You're really banking on him being an RB1 if you draft him where he's going to be drafted. So um, that'll be it. And if you believe in the talent, like he obviously showed he has, if you get him in the second or third round, that's a good value, I think. Oh, yeah. So, all right, my mid-tier guy is kind of a vintage fantasy football player at this point. It's Melvin Gordon. Um, finished as the 2020 RB13, 215 carries, 986 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground, 44 targets, 32 receptions, 158 yards, and one touchdown through the air. 2021 projected RB22. Dude finishes a f- the highest of the high RB2s, RB13 overall, and he's projected to drop to a low-end RB2 with the departure of Philip Lindsay. What? Seems like I a bad move. I don't get it. I don't get it. If you want to move him down to like 15 or 16, all right. But, I mean, he's playing in front of guys right now like Royce Freeman, who has he ever been relevant? I don't think so. And then Mike Boone, who – Never was relevant in Minnesota. Now he's in Denver. So I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of challenge there for for Gordon on the depth chart currently. And I, I just I'm not sure why he's projected to drop nine spots. So this guy should get a ton of volume. It's in a, a zone scheme offense, which he loves. He picked Denver because of it. So I'm just not quite sure why he's down here so low in the projections. That being said, RB13, I do think he will drop off from that and go down into more of that 16 to 18 range. But 22 just seems a little too low for my taste. So what about what about you? No, I agree. And um, I've been, you know, I I've been a. Uh, a Gordon fan since the since the beginning, and you know, like the first season, he was dog shit. But I mean, he's been pretty decent ever since then. And then even last year, you know, like we we started a dynasty league together, or we didn't start one, we joined one. Our buddy started it, but it was his first season in Denver. Nobody knew how it was going to go with Philip Lindsay, and like I drafted him, and he's like my main running back in that league. And so, like, I have great faith in Melvin Gordon. I think that's quite a drop. I think it's very unfair. Um, Melvin Gordon is good in the run game. He's good in the pass game. I mean, he's just, he's a weapon. And for that team, it has so many questions at quarterback that I think Melvin Gordon's going to be a very, very used running back next season. Yeah, I agree. I I get he's older now. Um, he's always had some off and on injuries, um, missing time, things like that. But when he's on the field, if he can stay on the field, he's really their main guy and should just based on volume alone 
be in that RB2 conversation, not the low end RB2, like that mid to even high end RB2 like he was last year. If he finishes his 13 again, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked because we know he's talented. If he still has gas in the tank, which I think he does, um, he'll, he'll be good. He'll be good again, and he'll probably be one of the better values in drafts, especially being ranked in, in the twenties. You know, so this is a guy you're looking at like fifth, sixth, seventh round, even still going to be on the board in redraft leagues. Like, yeah, all day, please, because he could finish as an RB two for you, and you're getting him super late. So, yeah. um, if you're a, a zero RB drafter, Melvin Gordon should be near the top of your list on guys to be considering in those those middle rounds. So. All right, let's go to guys outside of the top 20. Um, these, my guys specifically, aren't super, like, I don't know. It's not super surprising. There's been some buzz, but I want to add my two cents on these guys. Um, and you have Joe Mixon, which I'm interested to hear your take on this. So go ahead. Yeah. So Joe Mixon last year, 2020, finished the season RB49, only played six games. Uh, he had some foot and calf, and then I think he also had maybe some knee discomfort in there. Um, and then 2021, he's projected to be RB13. I mean, that's quite a jump. Um, and I think, obviously, he'll do better, but um, if he plays the the whole season or, like, even 14 games, I mean, he only played six games last year, so you can't expect much. But I think 13's high. I do think 13's high. I would put him more around the maybe a shit, dude. It's tough because we haven't even done projections yet. So I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. But I. Maybe the 18 to 20. Okay. Who would you rather have, Mixon or Gordon? Oh, I'd rather have Melvin Gordon. Okay. I think I think Joe Mixon is I think he's good. Um, I mean, last year he had 119 carries, 428 yards, four touchdowns, and a fumble in six games, and then caught 21, 26 for 138 yards and a touchdown. The only thing Mixon that bothers or, me, Mixon, Mixon or David Montgomery, Mixon. You, you want? I'm asking who you'd rather have. Oh. Um, Are they healthy? Do we know that? Uh, let's assume health. Yeah, I'm probably going Joe Mixon. Okay. The uh, so, but the thing that bothers me with Joe Mixon is the Bengals. Their offensive line is dog shit. Um, they probably won't do anything to fix that in the draft. The I, I just. I mean, you'd think you think Joe Burrow is going to be back with that knee injury. He might not. And, uh, who's their backup? Like Ryan Allen? Yeah, Ryan Allen, Ryan Finley. I don't even know. Yeah, Ryan so I don't. He he's going to be the workhorse in the run game. They got rid of Giovanni Bernard, so I think that helps. But I'm not sold on him having a stellar year. Okay, so yeah, this you think he's gonna drop off from his projection of thirteen? Yes. Pop off from forty three or wherever he finished last year. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I actually was talking to someone on Twitter today, and there's a running back out of Mississippi State, Kylan Hill. Okay. I like Kylan Hill to the Bengals in like the second or third round. I think he could fall to the third. Um, I think that'd be a good fit for Hill, which. I, I'm, I'm banking on some of the Bengals addressing that position somehow because I don't think you just let a guy like Bernard go and not fill the void because they don't have anyone behind Bernard. I mean, they have Samaj P. Ryan, and um, I don't even know who else, but those aren't reliable guys. And if Mixon gets hurt, which he has a history of doing, I don't yeah. think they're going to be comfortable putting out Samaj P. Ryan. So um, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think Kylan Hill will be a really interesting fit in Cincinnati. He's a guy... Uh, I think his junior year in college had 1,300 yards rushing. So, And then his senior year, he only played, I think, three games before he opted out. But he really showed that he improved as a pass catcher. So he's also dual threat and just jacked. So, um, yeah, man, I, I like the the mix and takes you had there. 
So my guy that finished outside the top 20 is Cam Akers, uh, RB43 on the year, 2021 projected RB11. That is quite a jump. Um, yeah, I mean, we're looking at a guy who finished outside of the RB3 territory, now going up into the RB1 conversation. So what's all the buzz about? And I think it's relatively obvious, but let's go ahead and look at what Cam Akers did in 2020. Um, he only saw 143 carries. This is regular season. Um, I'll get into some postseason stuff later. But regular season, 143 carries, which is like criminal, especially considering he's the second-round pick. So 625 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, 14 targets. Again, absolutely criminal. 11 catches, 123 yards, one touchdown through the air. So I don't know. I mean, it was super frustrating because we know Cam Akers is talented. His college tape showed that. Florida State, he had absolutely no offensive line and was still able to be extremely productive and efficient. And that was all because of him and how good he was. So Akers in the NFL, when you watch him, he flashed multiple times. But he just it took him till the end of the year to get consistent usage. And it was so frustrating. But then the final six games of the season happened. And that's why myself and so many others are talking about Cam Akers right now. So we're looking at the final six games, uh, four regular season, two playoff games. 132 rushing attempts, 561 yards, three touchdowns, 14 targets, 11 catches, 145 yards. So really all of his touchdown production and most of his yardage production came in a six-game span. So if we break that out to an entire season, you're looking at a workhorse who is good. He can do it all. You're getting a massive upgrade. We already talked about Matt Stafford in this episode what we think he's going to bring to that team. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Matt Stafford just so happens to love throwing the ball to his running backs. Uh, last year in Detroit, I think it was like 106 or 108 targets, 106 targets to his running backs. So he's got Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown's out the door, opens up the door for more opportunities for Cam Akers. I think RB11 is bold. I'm not saying he's going to be like a top five, top three guy. I think he's extremely talented, and I think he's talented enough to do that. But just situationally and realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. But top 12, I could see it. I think it'll be tough. Um, I, I think guys like um, like Miles Sanders might have a bounce back year. I like DeAndre Swift's opportunity a lot. He's currently ranked below um, Akers. James Robinson's a guy we talked about earlier, ranked below Akers right now. So I don't know if I buy Acres at RB eleven more. I'd probably put him more. I'd probably flip flop him in Swift right now. Put Swift at eleven, Acres at fifteen. I feel comfortable at fifteen. But I think this dude is going to have massive weeks, and his usage is obviously going to go up because it has to. So, and that's one of the reasons I, I made that trade that we talked about at the top of the show for uh for Acres in our dynasty league. So love the talent, dude. Swaggy as hell. He's got a gold visor during training camp. Looks amazing with those blue helmets. So respected trip. Any thoughts on Acres? No, nah, man. I mean, I think you really nailed it home. Uh, I agree with all those points. I I don't know that I'm in lo- as I'm not in love with him as much as you are. Uh, I do think like what you're saying though about um, Matt Stafford targeting his running backs. I think that will favor him graciously especially in half point or full point ppr leagues yeah man so i think the the big uptick in his game is going to be in the receiving game and obviously in carries like his game logs last year are pitiful and he also missed four games he had a rib injury actually i'm seeing this five games so he didn't play weeks three four six seven or week 15 but in the final six games he participated in and played, he was a monster. One game he had 29 carries for 171 yards, so it shows he can handle volume and be very productive with the volume. Um, the the shitter in that game was he only had three targets. So if you give him 20 carries and eight targets, that's going to be just as valuable, and he could find the end zone via the air. So I think we're going to see Cam Akers unlock this year, and that's why I like him. I mean, now I'm kind of talking myself into buying the the RB1 conversation. So not overall RB1, but that that back end where he's currently ranked, 
I like it. So to be safe, I'll keep him in that, that 15, 14, 15 range. But yeah, I mean, if he ends the year as an RB1, fantasy pros are pros for a reason, man. So we'll see how my projections have him. Um, I'm excited to start those this year. I'm really nerding out about that. So I have one honorable mention I want to talk about, and this isn't really a surprise to anyone. It's also a guy who, I mean, last year we thought was going to be great is Austin Eckler. Um, finished the year as RB30, projected this year, this coming year, 2021, as RB10. Um, and when you look at Austin Eckler finishing as RB30, considering the context of his 2020 season, like it's super impressive. So he obviously had that ankle injury that kept him out for six games. He still finished as an RB3, that RB30 position. Um, he had the eighth most targets, most running backs, 65, fifth most receptions of 54. He led the Chargers running backs in rushing and receiving yards. He was fourth on his own team in targets. And this is all missing six games. So you're looking at Justin Herbert, who you talked about, taking that next step in his second year. The Chargers also beefed up their offensive line, which I think really bodes well for Herbert and Eckler. And, I mean, you're adding yourself, Corey Lindsley, um, a.k.a. Alex Sutton, your freaking doppelganger to like a scary degree. So all pro center Corey Lindsley added to that team. They added two more offensive linemen and free agency. Um, I mean, if I had to pick a dark horse right now to finish as the RB1 overall in front of CMC, in front of Saquon, Dalvin, Derrick Henry, it would be Austin Eckler. Purely based on this PPR formats, half PPR or full PPR. I think Eckler is going to be an absolute freaking monster next year. That's high praise. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's going to be a stud if he can stay healthy. So, yeah, man. So, any other final thoughts or players you want to bring up that we didn't talk about? No, nah, man. I think that's it. Cool, dude. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back um, hopefully next week. We're still trying to get a regular schedule nailed down. This is obviously going to be dropping on a Monday. Usually we do Thursdays. It just didn't work out this week. So, uh, you'll be starting out your week with us, and we appreciate you for it. So we'll be back next week with our tight ends and wide receivers, similar format, who's going to pop off, who's going to drop off, um, looking at last year and what we think they can do this year. So we appreciate you kicking it with us, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.